the chair there. Morning, everybody. It is uh, great to have you here. If you don't know me, my name's Dean, one of the pastors here at True North. And if it's your first week here, can I just say welcome? It is uh, great to have you and uh, just excited to have you here. It really is. We are just excited about this time of year. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into God's Word this morning. Would you bow with me? Lord, this morning we just ask that in the midst of this season, that even this morning you just begin to direct our eyes to you and to turn our eyes, Lord, to really see you for who you are. I ask this morning as we come to your word that it would speak to each one of us, that we might be able to better encounter you, the living God, alive today and forever and ever. May we encounter you, may we know you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, like I said, it is great to have you here. I was uh, one of the people as well. Got our Christmas tree up this week. I, I do love this time of year, and, and, and I, I, I love the, you know, we, our family, we have our, our different traditions, as I'm sure uh, you do as well, ways of celebrating this season. Uh, I love this year we, you know, we, we're doing an Advent kind of devotional where you just read a little bit of Scripture every morning and reflect on what has happened by Jesus coming into this world. And I love this morning, uh, our seven-year-old son, he was running, you know, he was up early and so excited. He's like running down the hallways going, devotions, devotions, devotions. I should also mention, (laughs) uh, his grandparents sent him an advent calendar where you get to open a new Lego piece every day. And it's pretty cool. So it's this calendar and uh, every day, however, you only do that after you get into the devotions. And so we always, we got to be like kind of, you got to be wise about the order of these things. So we, we, every morning we get up, we read some scriptures together, we reflect. We're doing one that's called Countdown to Christmas on Version Bible. It's got some great experiential things. And, and so we do this together. And then after that, you get to count the days. And, and, uh, and so he pulls out a little, a little Lego thing, gets to build, and it's part of a scene, just these little things. But it's, it's just a, it's a just, there's just something so special about this time of year. And, and yet we also know that this time of year, uh, it can be that kind of time of year where all these things sort of, uh, you know, can push and can encroach. And it's sort of like, yeah, we know Christmas and we know this is to celebrate the birth of Christ, but it's also this season that can, you know, be filled with, oh, there's all these things that need to, to do, to be done, to, to buy, to get, to organize. You know, there's, there's all this kind of thing. There's, so I was talking with someone this week, we're talking about, it's just kind of wild how everything all of a sudden has a deadline to it. It's like, it's got to be done by Christmas. Like the world will not exist on December 26th or the 27th. Everything must be done by Christmas. And it's sort of like, what happens the next week? I don't know. But it's just the one time of year we kind of feel this. But what, what I hope and, and what we're going to begin to do uh, over this next few weeks, you know, we, we are reminded that in, in the midst of fun things, wonderful traditions, uh, different just things that add to the fullness of the season, that we as a church, and if you're new here as a church, what we believe is this is a season where we get to reflect on the most important thing that literally ever happened in all of human history, God coming into this world. And what I I hope for you this morning, what what we want to do is we want to just take this time to start to just reflect on the magnitude of what happened 
and Jesus coming into this world. And we're both going to kind of reflect on it to give ourselves, I hope, to enlarge our picture of who God is and what he's done in our own lives, just to enlarge our own vision of him and, uh, and of the, the significance of this season. And I also hope it will give us a chance to reflect on how we live out this unique month of the year in December. So I want to begin by reading to you uh, John uh, just, we're just going to unpack one verse this week. Uh, John 1.14. Uh, in, in, in the New Testament, if you're not familiar, there, there are these four books. We call them Gospels. They're biographies of Jesus written by people who walked with him, knew him. They were, they were contemporaries. They were his friends. They were people who's, who, who, who literally knew him. And, uh, and each one of them chooses different things as they describe what it meant that he came into this world. And some of them give a lot of just kind of detail about how his birth happened and all of these things. What John does is he gives us a bit of a, he doesn't kind of talk about the, the manger scene. He doesn't talk about some of those literal uh, dynamics of his birth. But he gives us a snapshot of what was happening. The theological reflection, if you will, on what it meant that Jesus came. The first chapter of John, maybe a good one you might want to read this, this week, gives us almost a, a, just a picture of uh, uh, what John, sometimes it's almost called the prologue to the rest of his biography, his gospel of Jesus, uh, because he, he introduces all these themes that are the major themes of who Jesus is, and he unpacks them in lots of different ways throughout his book. And John 1.14 captures a number of these just big ideas that we're going to reflect on this morning. John 114 says this. This is what was happening at Christmas. This was what was happening at the birth of Christ. The word, there was, there was tears, there was crying, it was, it was a baby. We got a great amount of preparation to nail this stuff, just to let you know. Love it, because we go pull out all the stops at Christmas. So awesome. <laughs> the tears with the crying of this little baby. This is what was happening. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Let me read it to you once more. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to just break down some of these phrases. They are so full and so rich with meaning. He begins by telling us the Word. The Word became flesh. You might have noticed there it's capitalized, the Word. In Greek it's the word, the, the logos. What John is going to make very clear in the beginning of his story of who Jesus is, is that the, the story of Jesus doesn't begin in a manger. The story of Jesus doesn't begin with the birth of this child. This wasn't the beginning of Jesus. What it was was the Word becoming flesh. The Word here, what it's talking about is kind of the, the divine, God's, self-revealing expression of who he is. It's, it, it's talking about how this is the God who always existed is the word. 
when you read the first part of John, your mind actually, if you're, if you're familiar with the Bible and, and the people that he was writing to, what they would have known was all the language he uses takes a, a person's mind back to the beginning of the Bible, a book called Genesis, when it talks about God creating the heavens and the earth. And when God creates the heavens and the earth, what the book of Genesis tells us is that God spoke. He said, let there be light, and there was light. It's his word that created everything. It's his word that is before all things. It's his word throughout the Old Testament. Over and over you'll hear, the word came to the Lord's prophet. The word of the Lord, you know, is powerful and effective. All these things. God's word, it's just who he is. We're just humans. And it's so hard to grasp this, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the whole universe. One of those expressions is always God's word, God's speaking. And so what John wants us to just be really clear about, not miss, is that this baby, this wasn't the beginning of Jesus. This was the word that was there in the beginning. This is the word that said, let there be light, and there was light. Become flesh. This is the, the second phrase we'll unpack this morning. The word became flesh. The word didn't begin. The word spoke all the creation into being, puts on flesh, becomes a human being, becomes one of us. That this word, it's no longer that we just hear the word. The word literally put on flesh and bones, became one of us so that we could understand the word. I got into a conversation with a guy last week. We were at a cafe, I was there and, and just working on a few things and I was having a coffee and he was grabbing a beer and we just got into a conversation and so we talked a little bit. Ah, what do you do? He's a baker. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Like we should be friends. I'm big on bread. <laughs> this would be good. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, oh, pastor and he, he kind of said oh yeah you know that's good kind of I, I can't remember his exact words but it was sort of a you know hey whatever floats your boat you know whatever kind of you think is good and that kind of thing and I said oh what you know what what, what do you kind of reckon any sort of thoughts on on you know faith or because I, I can't remember what his first phrase was but he said yeah you know I mean hey it's all the same thing right I mean it's all good like you you think that and you believe that that's good for you and but they're all the same, and, and he didn't really want a piece of any of them. But, you know, they're all good, and they all make you good, and this religion, that religion, all the same. I said, well, you know, one of the things is different. And he mentioned a couple things about a couple, about another religion. I said, you know, what's actually quite different about Christianity, you know, is it's totally different than any other religion that ever developed. Is It's not about just what some people wrote down. It's not even about what was just kind of said or spoken or teachings. And sure, there's lots of good wisdom and teachings and all kinds of places in this world. But only in Christianity do you have a faith that's based not on just something that was said, but on a historical event of what happened. Only, no, no other, every other great religious teacher points and says, this is the way. Only Jesus says, no, 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 not this is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only in, 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 in the story of Jesus did the word not just become something that was said or written or communicated, but it literally became flesh and came and walked among us. 
He's not another teacher who points and says, that's the way. That's the, the, the word. That's no. He says, I am. The word became flesh. And he did this to come and to be able to, 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 to not just kind of point the way, but to show us the way to become one of us. We could have never. How? In our limited, finite beings, the, the tiny little creatures that we are, could we have ever even grasped the infinite God who made everything? We can't even grasp how big the universe is. How could we ever grasp how big is the one who created it? But the word said, I'll become flesh. I'll become one of you. Walk among you. And not only does he become flesh, but I love the last part of that verse. It says he came and dwelt among us. The word came and dwelt among us. This is what's happening in the birth of Jesus. The word becomes flesh and he dwells among us. It's a phrase that once again, many of John's original readers would have been familiar with. In the Old Testament, there's this idea of a tabernacle. And what it was was like a, a, a giant tent, an elaborate tent that symbolized the presence of God with his people. They would put the tent up. They would take it down as they moved. And within that tent, you'd move to these different spaces. And it was there that you really came into the presence of God. It was also a, a word that was used to talk about uh, Moses was one of the leaders of God's people in, in those days. And, and it was always said that he would go meet God in the tent of meeting. That Moses was sort of unique because the Bible says it's like God spoke to him face to face like a friend speaks to a friend. And Moses, what he would do is he would go to this tent. And it was literally called the tent of meeting because there he would meet with God. And he'd leave the tent. And it's like his face would glow because he'd been in the presence of God. And, and then he would go back to the tent. He'd meet with God. This tent, this tabernacle, these places, they symbolize God's presence right among his people. And what John is saying is this is it. This is that same God. And he has now dwelt among us, only he's not in a tent. He's dwelling among us, not in a tabernacle. He's dwelling among us in that flesh and bones, the presence of God. You know, I love what... Uh, Eugene Peterson's message translation of this verse, I, I, I love how he puts this. He says that, you know, he moved into the neighborhood. That the word became flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. He said, I'm going to move in. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to not stay at a distance. I'm going to move into the neighborhood. When uh, my wife Lisa and I, when we first moved to Australia, it was 2004, and uh, if you know our story, how we got here, we were coming to a one-year internship that year, which has continued ever since. And, um, and we started at a church called Subiaco Church Christ. It's just down off Rockaby Road, if you know the Subi area. And, uh, and we first moved. We didn't know anything about Australia, and, and we, didn't, you know, we didn't know anything about Perth. And, we didn't, and the church down there has a little unit off uh, a street, Forest Street, right off Rockaby Road. So if you know Rockaby Road, they had a unit. Someone willed it to them and left it. And so they said, you can come as interns and live there. And this space is like right in the heart of Subiaco. If you're familiar with where Waldex is or Hungry Jack's is, it was right behind there. I was more familiar with Hungry Jack's myself. But uh, so it's right near there. So we lived there for this whole year. I can remember the first year Telling people, like, what's Australia like, you know, because we didn't know, and no one in America knew. And back in those days, there was no television or Internet or anything. <laughs> We'd write letters and, and uh, be like, what is Australia like? And I literally, this, I was like, it's unbelievable here. You don't even need a car. You can walk wherever you want to go. 
So our only experience, like we literally didn't know anything. We just, that's it. We got dropped, we got put there, and everything we needed was in walking distance. Hungry Jacks, as I said. There was a movie theater across the road. There was restaurants, cafes, grocery stores. Well, I could walk in five minutes to where I worked. They had given us a car. We never used it. We were just like, this is unbelievable. It's just like you're in a little neighborhood, and you don't have to, you don't have to drive anywhere. Like this, yeah, it's crazy. I get on a train, get out somewhere else, get out in Leaderville. Wow, this is the same thing. This must be all of Australia, you know, just nice little streets with cafes and restaurants and everything you need. And, uh, but the, the funny thing was, the end of that year, uh, we, had to, we had to move because another intern was coming. So we had a friend who said, hey, do you know what? My mom, and I'm about to move out of my mom's unit, which is just the other side of Rockaby Road. It was on Thomas Street, just across from Kings Park, if you know that area. He's like, it's my mom's place. We're moving out. She'd give you mates rates if you want to move there. Now, it was about uh, where we were. I could walk to, to work in, like, say, less than five minutes. And from there, it was going to be like a 15-minute walk. And I remember we were like, to be honest, it's just a little too far. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, I, it's taking me, like, 20 minutes to get to Hungry Jacks. You know, like, I just. I'm sorry, it's too far. And, uh, and then we started looking for not mates rates units. And then <laughs> we realized, okay, we cannot afford to get a place here. And we were like, okay, we'll move out of the neighborhood. You know, we'll, we'll head all the way up there. And we thought, you know, every, and, and, and the funny thing is, then a few years later, we moved to Clarkson. It's just a little bit farther out. And, you know, people are like, where are you going? Clarkson. Where? <laughs> we like, it's on the train thing. Just look at the very end of it. And, uh, and so then we moved there. And then a, a couple years later, we actually moved to Alcamas. This week I was trying to get something, you know, delivered to my house. And I saw, oh, good. Their very end of their limit where they will deliver is Alcamas. Perfect, you know. And, <laughs> and I look back now and think, a eh, little perspective. I, seems a little ridiculous that I was... Not uh, that, that it felt too far <laughs> to move to the other side of the neighborhood. I look back and I think, I can't believe I thought that was just too far away. And here, here's the thing. You know, all of us, uh, we, have, we have areas of life that are our, our comfort zone. We have areas of life that sort of like this represents my neighborhood, my people, whatever that looks like, whatever the area, whatever the geography is. I also learned you do need a car in Perth. And, but we all have our comfort zones, and we all have the spaces where it's like, yeah, I'll go. And we all have those other spaces where it's like, you know, I don't know if I want to go that far. I don't know if I want to stretch that far. Can I tell you something? I, I, one of the things this time of year should do is give us perspective on how far God was willing to go. He literally left his neighborhood in heaven, completely removed from sin, completely removed from brokenness, completely removed from all the muck and mire that is this world. And we're told that he left all that and he moved into our neighborhood. Was willing to leave perfection. Eternal God who spoke the universe into being was willing to say, I will become as vulnerable as a helpless child. In a manger. And as if to kind of illustrate the distance he was willing to go, he puts himself right into the middle of a stable when he moves into the neighborhood. You know, being born into hay. This, 
This is our God. The one who is willing to cross any boundary. The one who is willing to go any distance. Philippians 2 tells us that though, that though he was fully God, it says he did not consider his equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Even though he was perfect God, it says instead he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. It goes on to tell us he humbled himself to death itself, makes himself subject to death itself, even death on a cross. This is... God, this is what's happening in the incarnation. The word, the eternal word becomes flesh, puts on human flesh and moves into the neighborhood. And just as, you know, he said, this is like his introduction to all that Jesus would do. This is John who tells us the stories of how Jesus continued everywhere he went to cross boundaries and do whatever it took to get close to people. He'd go to the areas that you never went to. He'd talk to the people you never talked to. He'd touch the people you were never supposed to touch. This is who God is. He moves into the neighborhood. Can I tell you something? I think that this time of year should always allow us to do two things. In the midst of everything else that can happen, it should allow us, we should create time, we should make the space to reflect on what he has done for us. We should always reflect. We should never take for granted. We should never lose perspective on how far he went for you and for me. We should never lose our, our sense of awe and worship that this is who God is. And that in Jesus, this is no small thing we celebrate this time of year. This is no small thing that, you know, we just kind of have some lights around for. This is a time of year for those, those of us who've grasped this, that we simply stand back in awe and in worship and think, wow, eternal God, become flesh, moving into the neighborhood. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming for me. If you knew, if you've never grasped that, this is the message. This is the good news. This is why it's such a big deal. Because we realize that the creator of all is not standing out at a distance. But he loves us so much, he was willing to step into our world. Put on flesh and blood and move into the neighborhood. This time of year, it's the chance to worship him for who he is. That's why we sing, oh come, let us adore him. And the other thing I want to encourage you with is that this time of year is also a time of year to reflect on what, how should we, if we are a person of faith who has grasped that, how should this season be different for us than every other person that we meet? You know, it, it, one of the amazing things, again, about that book of John, he gives us this introduction. This is who Jesus is. He paints all these things. I, I want to share one of the things that we realize. This is, you know, God sent him into the world. He came. He was incarnate. He moved into the neighborhood. And you know what? Some of Jesus' last uh, words after he had gone to the cross, was resurrected, began to appear to his followers and his disciples now as the resurrected king. And he shows up in one of these moments in John chapter 20 in a room of his disciples. And this is what he now says to them. On the other side, mission accomplished. He's risen from the dead. He's made this way. And now he says to his followers, here's the response. Here's what I'm looking for. And he says to his disciples these words in John 20, 21. He says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. 
as the Father has sent me. Now you, my followers, I am sending you. Go on, move into the neighborhood, go be Jesus' body in this world. Go be the flesh and the bones. Go be the embodiment. Go incarnate my love. Go be my people and move into this world. As the Father sent me, so I send you. As, as so as the Father sent Jesus and he was willing to say, there is nothing that will stop me from going. Let that be your mission as well. If you're new here at, at True North or never been here for a Christmas season, you know, maybe you've come along in this last year. It's about a year now right around there that we've been, that since we moved into the neighborhood right here in Marowa. And so I know for many of you, it's maybe the first Christmas season you, you've been a part of this body, body of Christ in this space. Can I tell you something? One thing that we take very seriously as a church this time of year is that this is a unique moment to be the body of Christ and to shine this light in our community. That actually the Christmas season is not about those things that come our way. It's about worshiping and adoring him for what he's done. And then as the Father sent him, so he sends us. In this one month out of the year, it's unbelievable the opportunity we get to shine his light now. Say he's still in the neighborhood. He's still here and he wants to know you. Can I encourage you? Here's three simple ways you can respond to this. One is to just remember this. If you're someone as well who's looking forward to all the different ways that you're going to be a part of Christmas here, always remember this is why we do what we do. Always remember as a church, you know why we do everything we do? Because as the Father sent him, so he sends us. Why are we willing to try new things and do whatever it takes to connect to people? Because he was willing to do whatever it took to connect with us. This is why we do what we do. It's why we worship him. It's why we respond by being a part of that mission continuing today. The, other, the second thing you can do through this season, can I encourage you to be praying that people will begin to see the light that shines in him. Would you begin to pray that as people come, we've got carols events that will be happening next weekend right here on this block. Uh, Saturday and a Sunday night, literally thousands of people will come. There is no other time of the year that we could gather thousands of people who would never ordinarily consider going to a church to actually sit around and sing songs together about Jesus. It's an unbelievable opportunity. And as much as other things vie for our attention, and I get that, and I want every one of us to have those moments where we worship, adore him, we celebrate as a family. But can I tell you something? I, I know that he says to us, this is a unique moment where it's not about us. It's about him. And let's be praying that people will see his light, his love, all he came to bring this time of year. And the third thing I'd encourage you to do, to make that a physical response to serve, to say, you know what? And what I know can happen is that this time of year, all the pressure, all different things happen, and they can push us to sometimes be like, oh, man, and now my church wants me to do this, or now I've got to do that, or now that's another thing. Can I tell you something? Your church doesn't want you to do anything. We invite you to respond in worship to him. You don't do it for me. You definitely don't do it for, for true. This is an opportunity to say, Lord, how can I be part of incarnating you in this neighborhood, putting flesh and bones on it, making it real and lived out, creating a space where people can see that Jesus moved into the neighborhood? 
You know, next weekend is, is a, a, an incredibly unique opportunity. And every one of us has something we can do to help create a space where people come in and encounter the body of Christ in this space. Whether they get it or not, know it or not, they can experience it. And I want to encourage you, if you've not kind of thought about, you know what, this season, how can I be a part of shining that light? Uh, one simple thing you can do is to serve next weekend at our, our Carol's events. And I, I would invite you to do this because I believe it's one of the most unique opportunities we get all year round. It just, these opportunities don't come very often. And if every one of us just plays a part and every one of us is willing to be Jesus with flesh and blood and skin on us, it's amazing what he could do. If we'll pray, if we'll worship and we'll serve, oh, it'd be amazing what he can do. You can sign up to serve at the carols. It's Saturday night, Sunday night. Every one of us has different things. Some of you have big muscles. We need your big muscles. <laughs> Somebody, some of you have smiling faces. Jesus needs your smiling face out there. It doesn't take a lot. But it takes us reflecting on what was he willing to do for us and how can we be a part of as he sent us, as he was sent, so we are sent as well. You can also, uh, on the app, this is a real simple thing. And if you don't have the True North app, it's one of the ways you can stay engaged to what the body here is always doing. You can click on Christmas, and there's a real simple way. So, like, I don't know what I could do. I don't know if I could do anything, but I know this. I'm just willing. Go on there. Click on Christmas. Click on Serve at Carol's. And we'll be in touch. We'll help you find a spot. And together we get to be the body of Christ in this neighborhood in an incredible way. I encourage you to think about doing that today. This next few weeks, let's be praying. Let's be willing to serve. Let's be a community of people who put flesh and, flesh and blood and bones on Jesus in this neighborhood right here.